Did I tell you I came up with another story idea, but it was just, like, this flash of inspiration, and I was like, I don't even know how this would work. You sent me... Oh, no, 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 that was something different, which I started writing, and then I got distracted because I was watching something, and I was like, I don't have the energy to do both of these. No, um, because ages ago, I read this story where it was, like, the two main characters were playing Romeo and Juliet in a school play, and then they end up, like, getting sent into the play oh so then they're trying to like save romeo and juliet because they're like crap they don't have to die and for some reason i randomly started thinking about it and i was like it would be really interesting to see that with a book like the great gatsby okay but then it was like do you have the person actually fall into the story or do you have it like more like a modern retelling but only one character kind of like yesterday where it's like everyone's forgotten the beatles but one person and so you do that where it's, like, everyone's forgotten The Great Gatsby except this one person who's, like, is no one else seeing this? That was, like, they did, um, I only watched it when I was, like, 12, mm-hmm. and I don't even know where it was from, if it was just, like, on TV, mm-hmm. but it was, um, Lost in Austin. Oh, God, I love that. It's such yeah. a good, it's such a good show. And I always get that one and Austin Land mixed up, but Austin Land is... The, the other one resort yeah <laughs> yeah no lost it yeah lost it like, oh my god that is such an underrated show it's so funny was it was it like in a tv special or was it a movie i think it was like a mini series i think there's four episodes the yeah yeah oh my god it's so good though it's like Gemma errington plays um elizabeth bennett in that one if you saw her, you'd know her. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, yeah, and her. I, that was so long ago. Yeah, though. oh, God, I love that. My mom and I still quote, what's a sandwich? Because there's one part where, like, she's talking to Mary and I think it's Lydia, and she's saying to them, she's like, you know, can I have, like, a sandwich or something before we go? And then they're standing there, and they get distracted, and then Mary's like, what's a sandwich? Oh. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, God, dude, you have to rewatch it. I know, I was just like, maybe I'll watch it tonight. Given, like, how much... How often you rewatch Pride and Prejudice and mm-hmm. Emma, you need to rewatch Lost in Austin. It's so good. Because I can just get Jordan to find it wherever. Because mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Because I, I, I think originally, like, years ago, it was on Netflix. Yeah, I should say if it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Anyway, that was a very long detour. What yeah. up, everyone? <laughs> I am Bryn. I am Ricky. We are back at it again. We don't have a mic like we thought we would. No. Technically, we do. We just don't have a... Because it was my phone with a dongle, with a jack splitter, with the two mics. And the jack splitter seems to be the issue. Yeah. It works on everything else. It's only the jack splitter. So that was my bad. But we don't seem to have a weird crackle this time around. So we are hoping for the best. Yeah. We are reading our prompt. Finally. It's been a little while on our end. It's been like four weeks, right? Yeah, and I think I wrote mine like the first week. And it is concerning because I have... I'm sorry! Less than two pages, and I, that was me stretching it. I'm sorry! <laughs> <I'm just> like... <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I have a lot for this one. To be fair, I have been working with this story a lot more. Whereas you were yeah. kind of like, I can make up this whole new scene that I haven't really thought about, but I have a vague idea. Yeah, no, this just like... And then it, it, kind it of... really works. It actually rounds out some of the characters really oh, well. Oh, awesome. So I'm I love like, it when this that is happens. good. 
It's good for the whole story. It's not good for, for the this. short story. <laughs> and see, with me, it's I've been working on this story for so long, and this is such like a pivotal moment. So it was like, like not scene for scene. What's the word? word frame for, for frame. Yeah, frame for frame, pretty much. And yeah, I had to like go back. There, there's a couple of parts where I'm worried that I don't have enough detail, mm-hmm. and I think part of that is because I see it so specifically in my head that I'm like, I don't know how to describe this. Yeah. But yeah, I have. Um, so you know the main character mm-hmm. in my story, but. I didn't have names for any of the other characters in this scene. Uh-huh. So I want to do what, like, you kind of did last time, where you read your story and I guessed. Okay. So I want to read my little bit, and I want you to guess what's happening. Because it's, for you, it'll be super obvious. Yeah. But. This is also going to, like, test my memory, because you haven't talked about this story in a while. This is my recent one that horrified you. <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down, <laughs> Ricky. <laughs> That's true. This is a lot of your your plot ideas with this story are like mildly horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fine. fine. (laughs) So yeah, do we want to read the story and then give people the plot, or like how do we? Okay. Because I mean, my scene kind of works in and of itself, but I mean, having that background of like, yeah, why it's led to this moment does kind of help. I think it'll just be easier. Afterwards, mindset wise, yeah, because then you know what's happening. Okay, you piece it together. Whereas you're trying to like remember what the person said and put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the prompt was a dialogue prompt, and the dialogue prompt we chose was such dirty words for such a pretty little mouth. I have the wording a little bit off in mind because I can't remember. It still counts. Yeah, it's still the same thing. It means the same thing. We have our quarter. The same trusty quarter. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, wait. I didn't call it. Heads <laughs> <laughs> or tails? Tails. Again, with the every time. Okay. So, mine is a scene from a... Really, it's an anthology, technically, that I have going on in my brain called Mechanical Rose Chronicles. Uh, yeah, I'll just begin. Okay. <laughs> Pippa enjoyed being in the pub before it was open, the freedom of space when it wasn't crowded with patrons. She ran her hand along the bar, the wood softened with age and use. A glance at the clock told her that it would be some time before the boys arrived, so she let herself into the back office and dropped off her coat. She cited the disorganization Jack left on his desk, but she knew better than to move anything. He seemed to always know where everything was, no matter how chaotic it appeared. The metal rose caught her attention. It was one of hers, the one Jack had taken when they first met. She'd wondered what had happened to it, had assumed it had gotten lost in a shuffle. Instead, Jack seemed to be using it as a paperweight, prominently placed on his desk. The front door opened, footsteps creaking and groaning on the wood on the floor beams. She slipped out of the office, closing the door tightly as she made her way around the stock room and back to the bar. We're not open yet, she began to say, halting when she saw it was Celia and a stranger. Told you you wouldn't be here yet, Celia said proudly, her accent thicker than it had been. The stranger, a tall older man, looked around the pub with a judgmental eye. This place has certainly changed since my day, he said. His voice had the same Brislow accent as Jack's. 
Pippa swallowed heavily, slowly moving along the bar as the stranger made his way further in. He leaned on a polished, on a polished black cane, turning an eye to Pip. Who are you? she asked calmly, keeping her hands below the bar. Who am I? he scoffed, turning to Celia. You hear this, Celia? I'm gone ten years and all of a sudden they don't know me. She's not family, Eddie. Don't take it personal. Edward or Sharon? Pepper, Pepper, Pippa breathed out the name, her fingers catching on the handle of a kitchen knife under the bar. Glancing over at Celia, she slowly wrapped her hand around the weapon. What the hell did you do? Time for a family reunion, we thought, Celia smirked, leaning against the far end of the bar and looking at Eddie. He tipped his hat to Pippa. Glad to hear my reputation has preceded me. Pleasure to meet you, dearie. Jack marked you when you left the city. You must be out of your bloody mind coming back. Pip kept looking between the two, her confusion growing. Celia said, it's a family reunion. Eddie placed a hand on the counter, his gold pink earring catching the sunlight. Once you told me how close Jackie boy is to popping down on one knee, I thought I'd best come down and make the rules of engagement clear. That's your plan? Show your face and think everything will be all right because of her? Er, you see the way she talks to me? Celia stood up incredulously, looking at Eddie as if she expected him to take some action in her behalf. She never did like that Jack liked me more. The fact that Jack likes you is the only thing keeping me from kicking your bloody teeth in and dragging you through the goddamn dirt by your ears, Pippa snapped, daring to take her eyes off Eddie long enough to stare, glare at Celia. Such dirty words for such a pretty little mouth, Eddie purred, amusement gleaming in his eyes. I can see why Jack keeps you around. I might just have to do the same. You honestly think whatever feelings Jack has for Celia will make up for what you did? Jack doesn't go back on his word. I think this is a family matter, girlie. One you don't get to think about. Eddie lowered his voice, leaning closer to her. If Jack intends to marry my favorite stepdaughter, then I think it's time we mended old misunderstandings. Moving at the door caught Pippa's eye. She glanced over as Jack and the other boys walked into the pub, their faces slowly contorting in disbelief as they took in the scene. The world seemed to slow down. All Pippa could hear was her pulse in her ears, blood pounding as she watched Jack reach inside under his coat. By order of the dockies, she called out, grabbing the knife and slamming it into Eddie's hand. He yelled out, dropping his cane as he instinctively tried to remove the weapon. In the same instant, a shot was fired. Pippa flinched as drops of blood splattered across her face. She was barely aware of Celia screaming, two dockies rushing around Jack to grab the body, another holding Celia back as she cursed at Jack. The shot still ringing in her ears, Pippa stumbled backwards blindly, trying to shut out the chaos as she went. Jack stared at his uncle's slumped body, ignoring Celia's screaming until she smacked his face, bringing him back to the moment. You had no right, she yelled, struggling against the dock, he dragging her back. He knew what would happen if he showed his face. Jack spoke quietly, turning his attention to the girl, looking at her as if seeing her for the first time. You have ten hours to get out of this city, Celia. If you're ever caught again, the dockies are authorized to drop you. Am I clear? You... Bastard, she spat, wincing as her arms twisted behind her back, forcing her to walk towards the door. You're marked, Celia. Don't make me reduce the window I've given you. Nobody moved as she was thrown outside. A silence filled the pub, punctuated by footsteps as dockies moved around the body. Jack walked closer, pulling the knife out of Eddie's hand. The blade had been embedded in the bar, a perfect scar cut into the wood. Clean this up, he said calmly, walking over the body and into the storeroom. The door to the office was slightly ajar. 
leaving just enough space for him to see Pippa leaning on the edge of his desk, face buried in her hands. He pushed the door open, silently crossing the room to her. She dumped, jumped when he touched her arm. You're okay. He held up his hands, letting her take a deep breath before lifting her hand. It's only me. Blood was drying on the edge of her hand, already fading to a muddy brown. He pulled out his pocket square. It'll stain, she mumbled, trying to pull her shaking hand away. He pressed his thumb against the center of her palm, holding it in place. I've never been one to shy away from getting my hands dirty. A bubble of laughter escaped her throat. The sound so sweet, Jack found himself closing his eyes to savor it a moment longer. I'm sorry about Celia, Pippa finally said, daring to look at him. He was focused on her hand, slowly brushing the pocket square over the mark. I should have seen it coming. She had a part to play, Jack, and she played it well. It's not your fault. Yes, it is. His eyes snapped up to meet hers, his hands stilling, holding hers close to his chest. When I make a mistake, people get hurt. I miss something, and suddenly someone's forced to make a choice they never should have had to. I'd do it again if I had to, she tried to assure him, leaning forward. It never should have happened, he said firmly, taking a step away, anger rising. And he won't let it happen again. That's the important point. She sat back, letting him pace the small room. The stained pocket square balled up in his fist. What about you? He turned to her again, his face contorting with guilt and regret. You're blooded now, Pip. There's nothing I can do to change that. No going back. Do you understand what that means? I know, she whispered, the realization hanging between them. I'm sorry, was all I could think to say, leaning on the wall across from her. The great Jack O'Sharon apologizing. Never thought I'd see the day. A small smile tugged at the corner of her lips. Don't let it go to your head, he smirked, then dared himself to cross the small space back to her. She remained still as he carefully brushed a thumb across her cheek, studying the freckles of blood that dotted her face. Let's get you home, he finally said, reaching around her to lift her coat off the chair. The dockies watched her go, stepping aside to make a path through the, around the stained floorboard, subtly tipping their caps as she went. As they left the rose, Pippa took a slow, steady breath, allowing herself to d- acknowledge the undeniable fact. She was a dockie now. And this was only the beginning. I like that. I think that's been your best so far, but that's not surprising <laughs> considering. <laughs> this is a story I've been working on yeah. for a while. I'm, I'm like 80% sure you sent me this scene like two years ago. Yes. Okay, I'm not crazy. But it, it, it was much shorter. And yeah. Yeah. I've definitely changed things since then. Yeah. Because I remember the uncle coming, and mm-hmm. I remember there being a fight. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember... Cecilia? Celia. Celia. I didn't remember her. Yeah. But I remember there being a fight, and, and mm-hmm. the rose, and... I like how you describe, like, the old wood. You're yeah. so much more poetic in your writing. That's the, I think part of that is because I always picture it as a movie scene. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, this is what it looks like in my head. How much detail do I need to put in so that other people are also going to picture that? Yeah. So, okay, I remember everything, but I, the one thing is when he says you've been bloodied. Blooded, yeah. Blooded, yeah. Um. So basically, because his uncle was marked, uh-huh. th- do you remember why his uncle was marked? I remember his uncle doing something shady. His uncle, um, basically, like, he broke one of the laws that, like, mostly the police are like, 
this is your district, you deal with it, we'll just turn a blind eye. But his uncle broke one of the laws that even the police are like, okay, now we do have to step in. (laughs) But his uncle set Jack's brother up, or Jack's father up to take the fall. Okay. So basically his uncle got his father killed. So when Jack took over the dockies, he marked his uncle where essentially it's if a dockie ever sees you here again, they have to kill you on sight. Yeah. So Pippa taking the knife and slamming it into his hand and ensuring that he couldn't escape and he would get shot is her following the rules of the dockies. So she's blooded in the sense of she's now allowed herself to follow the rules of the dockies. She did something on the orders of the dockies. Okay. And everyone saw it. So Jack's like, I can't take that back. Because if it was just the two of them, he'd be like, no, you were just doing it to help me. You don't have to do this. But because everyone else saw it, he's like, I I can't take that back. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is going to look at you as a dockie now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do have to say, like, um, so in Read Your Heart, read your thoughts um Uh kira is very like she's very confident in herself Mm -hmm. most of the time i mean she's Mm -hmm. she's, but she's pretty confident she has issues yeah (laughs) like everyone yeah um but in this i like how pippa is a little more unsure of herself despite Mm -hmm. being like she knows herself yeah and that and like she's been through it but she Mm -hmm. was still unsure in this scene yeah and i liked that yeah she seems to be it, it sounds weird to say, but, like, the most, quote-unquote, human? Mm-hmm. Not that the others that I've written aren't, because, like, everyone has their flaws and they do have their characteristics, but she seems to be the one that's the most, like, she's been through enough crap that she's confident in some things and, like, very unconfident in others. And I also yeah. feel like, as a character in this scene, she also knows that whatever she does next is going to lead to her yeah. becoming a docky. So, like, through the whole scene... She's also kind of, like, mentally playing over that fact where she's like, am I actually going to do this or not? And it seems more for Pippa that it's her confidence is a mask. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, she's... Yeah, did I tell you I came out with more of her backstory? No, you did not. Yes. Because um, I have this scene... I think I'm... I'm debating when I want to have it. Because it's interesting if it's after she's become a docky, but it also, like, plays into... The relationship between her and Jack if she isn't a talking when it happens but anyway um her brother shows up mm-hmm. I think I've kind of told you about that um but her brother shows up and her brother because essentially the way I have it is it's like it's this huge city but it's controlled by different gangs mm-hmm. and again the police are like hey, not really much we can do about it <laughs> just you know well the, yes we're here to keep order it's fine um so the dockies run the docks, obviously. Um, they used to be the <laughs> they used to be the rum runners, but they run every dock in the city. So everything that comes into port, they get a fee for. Mm-hmm. So they have the biggest controlling interest because you think if it's like this island city, every single port around the entire place, they're getting a lot of money. Um, and then there's like the textile area, and the millers. And that's another gang. And so her brother shows up, and it's revealed that her brother is one of the Millers. Okay. 
So she's, like, mildly freaking out and trying to keep him from meeting Jack because he's like, well, you're friends with Jack, so I think we can work something out here. I mean, if we're going to allow you to stay here instead of making you come back with us. Um, and so Jack goes to see her at one point, or she goes to the Rose or whatever, and she's got, like, a black eye, and Jack's like, I'm sorry, what the hell is going on? She's like, it's fine. He's like, the hell it is. What, what's going on here? And, of course, she's been trying to keep her brother away, which is why he beat her up. And so Jack meets with her brother, and it's just, like, this the barely contained anger. And the only reason he's not beating her brother to a pulp is because she's asked him to mm-hmm. not to. Um, and so he meets with her brother, and her brother's like, oh, well, you know, we're looking to expand, and he's trying to do all this. And he then her, suave. Exactly. Cause, but he's like... He's a young guy who thinks he's bigger and more yeah. powerful than he is, and Jack's like, <laughs> honestly, oh, you I'm suck. picturing. Um, so in Ten Things I Hate About You, yes, the really sleazy guy who's trying a to get bit with like the that, yeah. yeah, 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 kind of like that, yeah. Um, and so there's that whole exchange, and then he leaves, and Jack and Pippa are there, and she's like, "My brother's kind of a bully," and he's like, "Yeah, I kind of noticed," and she ends up revealing that her father was one of the main enforcers for the Millers. Which is something she kind of neglected to mention. <laughs> but she neglected to mention it because she's trying to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, basically the one good thing her father did was he taught her how to be a tinker, which is now her livelihood. Like, she works with this with metal, and that's what she does for a living, which is completely opposite to everything going on with the Millers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and her father's... I'm debating either he's retired or he's dead. But then it ends up like they fix all that. But yeah, but it's... She actually comes from the background of being around a gang all yeah. her life. So to then come to another one, and that's one of the reasons she's just like, I'm not scared of you, dude. Like, I've lived with this my entire life. I know the rules. I know how the game is played. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jack also feels that guilt of you've been trying to get away from this and now you're a docky. Like, you've walked right back into it and there's nothing I can do to pull you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. An extra little little special special sauce on there. Sprinkle it in a little. Stories I'll probably never write. Mm -hmm. Especially with that one because it's just like there's, there's so much to it. Yeah. That it would have to be like an anthology. Yeah. So, yeah. But now it is your turn. Shall I? Yes, please so, do. Um, this is based off of a story that I have had mm-hmm. for... long time. Like, six years, and I still don't have a name for it. It is just the dragon story. <laughs> <laughs> but dragons don't come into play in this part. Dragons aren't important. Disappointing. But... <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And there's no, there's no scene name for the short story. It's just titled Pretty Little Mouth. That's all. <laughs> okay. Amarith held her hands up out to the light, perfectly still. She prided herself on her steady hands, the mark of a good tradesperson, and hers were still as an image. Blood traced around the pattern of scales beneath her patches of translucent skin. Some of it had already started to get sticky. She pulled her hands back, slipping them into the bowl of water beside her, swishing off the blood with a grungy rag. Drying off, she opened her box of needles and thread. She picked through them until she found the correct curve for the stitches she needed to close up Akiba's belly. 
Threading the eye, she heard someone lean against the, her doorway. Not bothering to turn, she held the incision between her fingers. Soon, Akiba's stomach would be more scar tissue than anything. She ignored the thought. Feeding the point in, the needle glid through the flesh, joining each side. The figure in the doorway moved in, and Amarith heard a faint scraping from her tool edge. Koron settled next to the table without a word. She didn't look up, keeping her hands steady and stitches consistent. Koron shifted, leaning forward and reaching out to Akiba's face. Harm her, and I will have you peeled open and strung up for display before you have a chance to see me coming. He hesitated, then with a smirk pulled his hand under his chin. Such dirty words out of a pretty little mouth. He mused, leaning closer. There's nothing but dirty about it, Koron. It would be done neatly and tastefully. Your body would be used to further research. She let her gaze flick up to his and held. I'm not one to be wasteful. His smirk stiffened. Emmerith could tell she struck a nerve, and she couldn't help but smile herself before continuing her procedure. Since when did you get sentimental over your patients? I thought that was bad practice. Since you kept them around long enough for me to get attached. She nodded and snipped the thread. Koran migrated from his seat to loom behind her. You're in my light. She set up for her next set of stitches, and he bent down next to her. His breath brushed against her cheek, hot with puffs of ash swirling to the table. His body was prepping to adjust. I'm not sure, Amarith. I can't tell who... I can't tell which one you're trying to protect. His voice was a sharp whisper. She could sense his hand hovering behind her. Amarith leaned back, forcing it to retreat. She rolled her head back, grinning at his bluff. If you're going to threaten... Make sure you can follow through. Koran sneered, and pulling the blade he snatched to her throat. Her eyes lit up with a cackle. Who's next after me? Who do you have mangled under your wing? Oh, how I'd love to meet my counterpart. The blade eased. Koran, she pouted, watching his scales ache against his paper skin, begging to be exposed. I was hoping you had a surprise for me but I see I'm still needed. Snarling, he stepped back, pulling the blade to his side. At this rate, Amarith, he hissed, you'll be the one on that table. Make sure you keep a good record. Koran threw down the knife back to its original ledge and stormed out. Amarith held her hands out to the light and scowled, perfectly still. She had hoped for a twitch, a tremor, even a flex muscle, if only for a moment anything to give her an indication, but she still couldn't tell who she was protecting. She clenched her fists, forcing them to tremble. After a moment, she released, letting the blood continue its regular flow. She sighed at her still hands and picked up her needle. Another half an hour, and she was done. She wiped away the blood that had seeped out and patched over the stitches with a strip of cloth. She pulled out one of her many blankets she kept on the shelf. This one was her favorite, though. Warm and soft, with intricate color work of greens and blues with charcoal trimming. She spread it open, draping it over Akiva. She paused, hovering over her shoulders. Her face was soft, relaxed. Even her burn scar that always drew her mouth taut managed to ease. The operating table was the only place Emmerith had seen Akiva blissfully unaware. 
She dropped the blanket and tucked it under her shoulders, wishing she could help her become soft again. That would be impossible. From now on, her world would only continue to crumble. If I can't make up my mind, the only answer left is both. She brushed the hair out of Akiba's eyes. But I can only protect you for, from so much, Amarith whispered. Akiba would be unconscious for another few hours. Amarith tied, tidied up her tools, making sure to disinfect each one and place them in their correct drawers and boxes. Once she had finished, she gave her hands one last wash and ducked into the hall with her notes. She read back over then, over them while she strode through the caverns, occasionally, occasionally scribbling in a few more. She reached an archway with the curtain drawn and pulled it back. She lit the lamp left for herself beside the entrance and the room illuminated in a soft red glow. The walls were covered in notes and diagrams of different muscles and organs, some with plants or symbols drawn next to them. Emmerith stripped out the papers from her notes and pinned them to the wall. She nodded, satisfied with the display. With a stretch, she turned to the table in the room. A plain stained sheet covered a figure. She turned it back. Such a waste. She grumbled, admiring the now washed out body in front of her. You would have made a wonderful mother, Quaid. And that'd be that. I like her. <laughs> I like her. I I didn't know what she was going to be like until I wrote this scene. And you're like, oh, oh, this works. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> feisty. <laughs> okay, so this is when Akiva's been captured, right? Yes. Okay. But she's kind of like... Now she's kind of integrated and being like, oh, they're fine. Like, they're just people. Yeah. They're okay. in hiding, just like everyone this else. This is before she discovers what they're doing, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. That's what the operation is that is currently happening in this Oh my scene. god. Yes. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, there was like a part of me that was wondering that and I was like, but it might just be that, like, because, I mean, if she has been captured by them, they may have, like, tortured her or hurt her or you are moving the thing, sir. Yeah. There's a dog here today. We have a dog in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sleeping, trying to get comfortable. And kicking our very high-tech mic setup. Yeah. Anyway, okay. See, I don't think you've ever told me that that happens to her. That what happens? That she, gets... she has the operation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Because... Because I thought she found out beforehand and was like, Oh, my God, and runs no. back. Oh. It happens to her. Oh, dear God. And... I, like, I don't want to, like... <laughs> I know no one's gonna read it. <laughs> because <laughs> you'll I... never write it. <laughs> exactly, but I still, like, a part of me doesn't want to give it away. But, uh, so... Because in the story, at the start, she gets attacked, and it mm -hmm. messes up her guts. Right. I remember that. And then she does the defender course without telling anyone that she's injured, and then it just gnarls it up some more, so she's, like, super messed up on the inside. Right. And so she ends up with these dragon people, and they're like, oh, well, we'll take care of you. So they, like... Stitch her up, but in the meantime, hide. Some stuff goes on. Oh my god! Yeah, 
See, this is what I mean. Every plot detail you have told me about this book is just, like, progressively more messed <laughs> up. And I I tried to make it subtle enough mm-hmm. in this little Snippet. blurb. But when she says to Coran, like, I'm not one to be wasteful. And then at the end, with Quaid dead, she says, what a waste. Yeah. It's because Coran killed her oh. while she was pregnant mm. and didn't realize. Mm. And I tried to I tried to be subtle enough, but oh then sometimes God. I'm like, I don't know if If it's... you ever write this book, it's just going to be so emotionally draining. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... I, I'm getting more into it. It's all these short stories that I'm like, okay, getting the momentum now. I'm really hoping we get a dialogue prompt that it just, like, kicks me back into death by any other name. Yes. Because, like, for so long, every day, you'd be like, okay, I got something new. I fixed this problem. I know, and I think part of the problem is that I haven't been watching any shows that, like, are the same kind of vibe. Mm. Because, like, when I was really into it, I was watching, um... Crap, Last Kingdom. Oh, okay. Which is Vikings in yep. England. So good. Um, and then I was also watching Shadow and Bone. But Shadow and Bone also kind of led me towards, like, other stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that kind of vibe. And now I'm watching, like, all these shows that are just normal modern-day shows. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not getting inspired <laughs> anymore. And it's sad, because I'm like, I'm missing my characters. But I also don't know where to go with the plot. Even, which is stupid, because I know the entire plot. Like, yeah. It's, it's really dumb. But I think it's because I'm stuck on the beginning now, because I'm like, I need to rewrite the mm. beginning. I hate that. When I you're know. Like, you're like, yeah, this works. Oh, God, I have to actually rewrite it. Yeah. And it's like, I already did all this work, and it's garbage. I was like, almost three chapters in. Yeah. But the, granted, the chapters were really short, because I was like, they're at the house. Oh, you were just, like, trying to get through Basically, it, I'm like, through. oh my god, I just need to get all this information out. But I can't put it all in one chapter, because that's going to be stupid long. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Which is why part of the idea of, like, having it that rather than her finding Yarrick and then them leaving together, it's they all are, like, summoned to join the army, mm-hmm. essentially. And okay. she's like, oh, darn, I guess I'll just go with you guys and follow <laughs> along. And then, whoops, we get it captured, and I'm just gonna cake. Yeah, see, I'm gonna leave now. Okay. Yeah, but I just have to actually write that. Mm-hmm. I just I want to get to Cadron because he's such a little shit. <laughs> but I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I'm really hoping we find a dialogue prompt where I'm like, oh, my God, this totally works for Death by Any Other Name. Even Life by Any any Creed at this point. Yeah. Like, either of those two. Anything. Just just something in that vein. Because I have been thinking, again, because I've been watching more modern-day shows, mm-hmm. um, I've been getting more ideas for Life by Any Creed. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's kind of this push and pull and... Yeah, I just, I want to get inspired to write one of the stories that I'm actually going to write and not Mechanical Rose because it's an anthology that will take me, like, a century to write. Because <laughs> that's the problem with Mechanical Rose is that basically in my head, because I think part of it is because I keep seeing it as, like, if this was a TV show. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, season one is just them getting to know each other. Season two is when she becomes a docky, And that's, like you know, the mid-season finale is she becomes a docky. And then season three is 
their relationship kind of thing and what happens from there so it's like that's at least three books yeah and you have to have all the plot that goes into those books yeah which i don't really have (laughs) i just have this relationship that's really interesting and very fun to write because the characterization is super interesting between the two of them but you have to like build up the relationship Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't it's not working so if i could find prompts for books i'm actually gonna write that would be great that'd be helpful yeah we joked last time about how our our stories are always influenced by whatever we've been watching mm-hmm. i went on a mamma mia kick and i was like oh haha like there's no connection to my dragon story and i was like but wait <laughs> oh no how with the fathers <laughs> <laughs> of course of the course fathers and yeah. the mystery daughter and i was like <gasps> oh no this works too well. Why does this work? It shouldn't. Yeah. Oh my god. I did kind of base the Doctor Amorous off of. Yeah, I know you don't watch anime, but Attack on Titan. Okay. Hanji is, for any of you who watch Attack on Titan, you'll know she's the crazy. She's super serious, but as soon as science... Well, she's not super serious, but, like, <laughs> she she's all there. Yeah. But as soon as science gets involved with, involved with the Titans, she's, mm-hmm. like, kind of a little manic. <laughs> and I, I kind of wanted that, where she has a, a little bit of manic quality in nice. her. I liked her. I very much liked her. The whole being threatened with the knife and being like, Aw, that's adorable! You think I'm replaceable? You can match this crazy? Okay. Have fun. Well, I liked it. Yeah. I I, I hope this kind of kicks you to actually start writing this goddamn yes. book. I didn't write my book, but I did read your story. <gasps> I've not done it, but I did read some of it. I, I, I read... How far have you gotten? Just has happened. <gasps> yes. You actually got over the hump! I did. Oh my god. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for sitting here, man. You're okay. Okay. Um, yes. So, I just finished chapter 19. Okay. So, I'm like... You're getting there. I'm on... I can't remember how many chapters the book has. There's like 32? 31? Okay. I think. And the last chapter is like just an epilogue, so it's pretty short. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> so... Well, that made me happy. Because we did say by episode 10, and I realized that the next one would be by episode 10, but uh-huh. I was counting it by when we were posting, uh, not yes. by when we were recording. So Convenient. Like, oh, no. <laughs> so, I have But yay, you've like, been reading. Weeks. Yes. All right. Well, on that lovely positive note, <laughs> I am Bryn. I am Ricky. We are Writers in Progress, and we will be back at it on the next one.